Hi hi. I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Kennedy Sung. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the, the SG Boys. Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the, the SG Boys. All right, here we go. Season two of the SG Boys, episode one. It's been a long time coming. It's been a very long January. It's uh, a lot of things have happened mm. uh, to the LGBT community in Singapore. Uh, there was a business small that had their pride flag ripped out and thrown at one of their staff. A ministry misgendered a trans woman student. People have been fighting every day in their own courageous ways to live their unabashed truth. Yep. But at the same time, the LGBTQ plus community here in Singapore have also banded together to show love to that little salad shop at Lao Pasat. Yes. They're small. selling out of, of their proteins every day. And more and more flags are there. People are buying pride flags. People are having conversations openly on social media. They're talking about these issues that for many years they've kept very quiet about. Change is happening. All this against the backdrop of Section 377A potentially getting repealed. It's currently with the Court of Appeal. Everything's still up in the air. It's really, you feel like there's a moon of change in the air. Right. Something is brewing. It's been brewing for the longest time. I mean, these are not new struggles or challenges that the community has faced. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, like January has brought a lot of these things to the fore again. Yeah. While the world wants us to sort of hide our stories. Yeah. I think it's time to lean in to the stories, go back to the beginning, to the day we came out of the closet. Uh, we want to share these stories with you. It's going to be a tough episode because... <laughs> We've had little hints of it mentioned in yeah. season one. We've been putting it off for so long, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would think that in that gay podcast from Singapore, right. we would at least have it in the first season, but we didn't because we wanted it to be thoughtful, sincere, given a lot of things that have happened. I think there's a lot of our emotions riding on it. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think some of us weren't even ready. I know I wasn't ready, mm. like last year, to talk about it. Yeah, But I feel like maybe now I am, or at least I'm... I'm learning to be okay with it. And we hope that you folks listening as well, you know, draw strength from these stories and draw strength from your own stories and celebrate those stories and those experiences instead of being ashamed of them. Tell your story. We're going to hear these stories real time with you. Uh, Who wants to start? I'll start. Um, I think it surprises many people, but actually I'm not out to my family, to my parents, hmm. which is kind of weird because, you know, if you Google my name, like, gay, 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 gay comes out. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you're even on, like, gay Wikipedia. SG, LGBT, Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah like, well, the first time we got to know you was through 377Bay. Yeah. And your parents just didn't... They're very traditional media people, you know, like, they just read Straits Times and, right. and that's it. So I think that's why maybe they've, they've never seen my activities <laughs> online and stuff. But, you know, my sister knows about me, but yeah. So actually, when I was 16, my dad, um, I turned off the setting of, like, auto-lock on the iPad. I think he saw that I was watching gay pornography. Um, yeah. <laughs> As in, you left some tabs open or your search history I left the video was- there. Oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah, because I completely forgot that I turned off the auto-lock function. Right. He came across it and then he just came into my room one night and he was like, oh, I see that you've been uh, watching gay porn. If you are gay, I will kick you out of the house because I don't want a gay son. Yeah. So that's wow. how it went down. Ever since then, it's like we don't talk about it. For a few years after, if I bring friends home, he would be like, make sure your friends are not gay. I don't want any of these people in my house. 
and my mom, there was a lot of those, those kind of like, um, oh, you know, next time when you get married to a girl, you know, and that's the situation with my family. Uh, so that's why I've never come out to my parents formally. Right. But that's the thing about coming out, right? And and especially with parents, like, I feel like they're very, they're various stages, you know. The first stage is like knowledge. Clearly in your father's case, like he knows because he came across your gay porn. And then the next step is like acknowledgement. Like, does he, is he willing to acknowledge it? And clearly as you have shared, he's not. Mm. Yeah. And then of course, you have subsequent stages like accepting it, and actually embracing it. I'm attached, you know, I've had relationships and stuff. Um, you, can't, you, can't, you can't bring a partner home, you know what I mean? And you just will never have that. I do get jealous of my sister when she brings home uh, her partner and stuff, you know. Yeah. Even though I'm in a very loving relationship, I can never bring my partner back. Is it one of those things where you have kind of just then decided, okay, I don't think things are going to change and you're not going to mm. want to try again? Yeah, or? I... Because it's like a don't ask, don't tell you. We don't talk about it, right, yeah. with my family. So I think it was very formative because I had just finished my O-levels back then. And I think there was a lot of changes, you know, going to a new school, leaving secondary school. And so I was just very scared about the whole situation. It kind of manifested in me when I finally went to uh, junior college, right? I decided that, you know what, if I'm not going to be out at home, at least I can be out in school. I felt like I had to give myself an option to express myself. I always felt very policed at home. Like, and I, to this day, I, I still feel that way. It's like, and that's why I hated Circuit Breaker because one reason why I'm so sociable and I like to go out is because I feel like I'm constantly policing my behavior, you know, like mm. so that I don't out myself at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of people cannot believe this because, you know, me and Sandra are always competing for who's the biggest stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't see it as a competition, but okay. <laughs> I'm always Yas queen but I'm always that kind of person so So you are different when you're at home yeah I am and people cannot fathom that because especially if you see me on social media you know I'm always I'm a stereotype and I like to advertise that you know as as a joke we are so much more than stereotypes right yeah Yeah. (laughs) but I also feel like I mean you say it's a joke and everything but it's also your coping mechanism I feel yeah it is no because it does help me be at peace with finding like a community almost I do feel connected in that way I have to work bloody hard if I want to move out soon. I have to make X amount of income. I have to work my ass off, you know. Coming out was not just about the recognition of my identity, but it was also about the recognition of how I can build a life for myself. People always say things like, oh, Kennedy, I can't imagine you in corporate. I cannot imagine you doing this job. I always framed it as a matter of survival. Yeah. I need to have a certain type of job, a certain type of career in this country if people are going to respect me. We've also learned that you love your classical music. And if you yeah. could, you, you would just do that. But you chose to go into the corporate world. You choose to work extremely hard because so much is also at stake. Uh, when I did my A-levels, I was doing like H2 and H3 music. Mm. I was actually like super high level stuff. I was. She's a musician. <laughs> yeah, no, I really wanted She's to. Talented. I really she writes her own song. Lizzo is shaking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no. I really wanted to be a musician, but the bills are not going to pay themselves. You mm. know, I, if I want to move out, if I want to have yeah. my own safe space, I need to make certain career moves. And sadly, okay. I'm not sure if people have had to make these decisions because of their sexuality. That's that's a sad truth, right? In yeah. your case, it's putting your dreams on hold. As much as you are so comfortable with your identity. It shouldn't come at that cost. People think about, oh, the family thing, you know, but it's so much more than that because every day at work also, uh, you know, do I come out at the workplace? You're constantly coming yeah. out. You don't just come out once. I think that the perception is that once you come out of the closet for the first time, that's it. You will forever be out and everyone will get the memo. No, like mm. everything you are now then a part of, you have to also then think, do I have yeah. to come out here? Is this relevant? Do I have to bring my sexuality up? It's a bit tricky. And also it's about what you're coming out as 
and educating the people that you're coming out to. When I was growing up, the first time I heard the word gay was uh, we were kids, we were watching A Bug's Life. They didn't use the word in the movie, right? No, they didn't use the word gay. But what happened was there was a ladybug character. She looks so gorgeous and fabulous. And then when he starts speaking, it's a really deep voice. Oh. So my friend's mother told me, uh, that one is a gay. A gay. That one is a gay. <laughs> a gay, yeah. But I realize a lot of the older generation says that. Uh, so I thought, oh, if you are a very feminine man, then you're gay. Mm. You know, and then it became men who cannot find women. That's why they are sleeping with men. I was also then called gay by the people that were bullying me. Oh, your bapo, your pondan, your aqua, all these sort of terms were said to me before I even knew how I felt about anyone. You know, I was still like just trying to get through school. Yeah, people already assigning you these labels and yeah. boxing you in. Yeah, and then I have this uh, PE teacher. Uh, shout out to Scott Tang, who was teaching in my school. Tang le, not Tang. <laughs> Do you guys Tang. know Tang? No? Uh, I think he lives in China right now with oh, his partner. Okay. He is very, very handsome. Okay. I, and See? I, and I, I can I hear him, from the name already. I complimented him. I said, you know, sir, you're so handsome. You should get together with this teacher. You know, that's what we did in school. You know, we try to pair our teachers up. Little OTPs. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. He actually told me, he said, oh, I, I have a boyfriend. Wow. And I froze. And the first thing I told him, I remember this. I said, why are you gay? You're so handsome. You can get any girl that you want. Why must you be with a guy? You know, he said that, oh, I, I have a boyfriend and I love my boyfriend. And I didn't even know that was possible because I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen men holding hands and just being happy. Or that's cute though, as an MOE teacher and, that he shared that with you. Because I yeah, think that's rare. The idea that two men can be in love and it's not a perverse thing. And I think when you come out, especially to the older generation, I think the assumption is that everyone's really promiscuous and it's 377A that's completely linked to that. That all we are, are our gross and decent acts. All we are is the sex and yep. just carnal. So it took a long time for me to unlearn a lot of the things that I thought sexuality was. And I'm still learning. I think I'm still mm. learning. I'm glad you brought that up though, because I realized that I am really in a very different space when it came to like ideas about sexuality. Honestly, really because of the shows I was watching growing up. Gossip Girl and Glee. That's the first time I saw a gay character. Sam Joe, like, what is your coming out story? Oh, my coming out story is still ongoing actually about what Josh said about how coming out is a never-ending, I would say, nightmare, actually. Like a, a matryoshka, a Russian nesting doll. Okay, Katya. Yeah. <laughs> Katya is a malochiko. Yeah, explain, the, explain the Russian doll. Maybe you come out to your family, and next thing you know, you're in a different setting, you're, in, you're at work, and then you have to make that decision, is it safe to come out to my colleagues, to my yeah. boss? The first step, of course, is like coming out to yourself. Mm. I think what a lot of people don't know is that we as queer people, we struggle with coming out to ourselves first. I remember for the longest time, like, I was so uncomfortable with the word gay. Obviously, I can't deny these sexual desires. I'm going to call myself bisexual if anyone asks. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely not bisexual. But the word gay had just taken on so much negative connotation mm. because of, like, you know, all that misrepresentation in the media yeah. and in popular culture mm. that... I opted for a different word. I was looking for, okay, let's call myself queer, you know, and I yeah. was avoiding that word yeah. gay for the longest time. So the fact that, like, you know, today I'm sitting here and, you know, doing this podcast with you guys and we are saying that we are three gay men, like, that was actually a huge step for me. And I was also called names before I even knew what I was. And I, I mean, I went overseas um, to America to study. I had come from a place where I was so closeted and I had so many gay friends and we knew each other was gay. But it was one of those, even among ourselves, don't ask, don't tell. Because we were so afraid of like losing those friendships. Mm -hmm. We were so afraid of like losing that support network. And it's that fear that comes with it that's so scary. This actually reminds me of that meme that I came across a couple of weeks ago. 
gays play truth or dare. Do you remember how we were when mm, you're teenagers? You mm. always play truth or dare. Spin the bottle. Yeah, spin the bottle. Could be a drinking game or whatever. Gays doing truth or dare. It's always there. Because for a lot of us, we were so afraid to have that game out us. We oh. were so afraid for someone to ask you, who's your crush in the room? Yeah. What is your deeper sexual desire? We're afraid of these questions that would cast a spotlight on our sexuality. And then you have nowhere to hide. I remember playing truth or dare and I would always choose dare. Even if it meant like licking someone else's feet. Even if it meant like, you know, running around naked or something, I would do it. It was your way of running away from that possibility yeah. of that ever coming yes, out. Yes, yes. It was my way of just avoiding those tough questions that I didn't want to like, you know, contend with. Yeah. I did my best to play down. So any every time they pointed out, oh, like, you know, your wrists are limb. I train myself when I gesture, when I gesticulate. I train myself to have my wrists like straight. Yeah. I was conscious of these things. I tried to like speak on a, at a lower register, for instance. I tried to downplay my love for, I don't know, Britney Spears or Spice Girls. <laughs> I, I did all these things. There's this really amazing book which I had to read like during freshman year and I brought it today. It's called Covering by Kenji Yoshino. Covering the hidden assault on our civil rights. And so Kenji Yoshino is like a legal scholar. He brings up this concept of covering, which is essentially someone downplaying like a disfavored aspect of their identity in order to like get by in society. Yeah pandering to what's normal to be respected. You inhibit your... Your brilliance. Yeah, you hold back yourself. You hold back your fabulousness in order to like fit in, in order not to stick out like a sore thumb. I know that I did that a lot in the army, for instance. I still do that sometimes when I go back for reservists. It continues to eat away at me every single time. And for all those of you listening as well, it's just a non-stop journey and it can get very, very tiring. I take comfort in knowing that we are not alone in this. On my resume, I actually put my past volunteering activities with an LGBT organization because I want to be transparent about it. I don't want to get a situation where I have to keep coming out at the workplace, you know? This is who I am. If you want to let me through your door, you already know. I want us to celebrate treating our stories with respect. Viewing them as the word that I always say, which is precious. It absolutely is. We should be celebrating our stories the way you love. However flamboyant and fun and crazy, I think those attributes are gifts. I'm still figuring it out. And I talked about like, you know, being scared coming into this podcast and a huge part of it, and the two of you know this, it was because of this podcast that I came out to my parents. It was just very tricky for me to navigate because I knew deep down I wanted to do this podcast but at the same time, I knew that I couldn't, in my heart of hearts, like bring 100% of myself to the table if I didn't first have that conversation with my parents, which I realized I had been avoiding the entire time. Approached them one night. I have a personal project to you know, share with, uh, with the two of you. I'm going to be starting this uh, podcast with uh, two of my friends, and I'm very excited about it. Um, it's going to be LGBTQ-focused. And because, as you know, I'm gay, as you can imagine, there was like, you know, some level of um, worry and concern and of course objection. I know that it's not because they like dis- disapprove of my sexual orientation. It's because they were worried that me doing this podcast slash me essentially existing as a gay man in our society today. I knew that they had concerns that like, you know, it would harm me. It would close many opportunities for me. Like it might get me into trouble. And that was the one thing that both my mom and my dad said, like, just don't get into trouble. But you know what? After I spoke to them, a weight just lifted off my chest. And as I was talking to them and saying like, you know, trying to explain to them why this podcast is so important to me and not just me, it's important to like our community. Our voices need to be heard. We need to normalize these conversations. I was avoiding this conversation for all of my life, but I realized that 
I was ready. I had always been ready. It's just that I needed an excuse. And for some people, the excuse was like, oops, my dad caught me watching porn like Kennedy, you know? Yeah. Or for some people, like, you know, you want to bring home your partner. And for me, it was like the SG Boys podcast. <laughs> so there you go. Whew. Yeah, that was rough. I don't know how they stand with this podcast. I said, you know, I don't need your approval for this. I just need your blessing. I need oh. you to know that I'm doing this. In their own way, them being Asian parents and everything. They have given me their blessing. Um, they're not stopping me from doing this. But you know, you don't want to go into something knowing that it would deeply hurt your parents. Yeah. They're still family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whenever I put content out, it is at the back of my mind. And I know it sounds very depressing to say this, but sometimes I just wish that they would just see it and if they're gonna kick me out, just kick me out. Like because you know, like you ask for your parents' blessing and stuff, but for me it's like F it. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I said what happened at, when I was 16 is just very formative because I think it really informed my idea of like um, coming out. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Josh? I mean, I kind of have an inkling that you yeah, and had a very is, traumatic coming out. Yours, I your think family. it's a lot more complex because your family, religion and... Yeah. Okay, so a couple of years ago, I just had a really bad day where everything that could go wrong went wrong. I was dating someone that I was in love with. Uh, unfortunately, we broke up. On the same day, that morning when I woke up, my dad was sitting on my bed, which was very strange because my dad and I don't really talk very much. He asked me out for brunch and we sat down and then my dad told me what had happened and what sort of hit our family. At that point, he was a reverend in a church. There was someone who wrote a letter, forwarded it to all the elders of the church that I am gay. Uh, Simon has a son who is leading a lifestyle that is not edifying to the church and to God. And it, he basically wanted to get my dad fired. <gasps> so he outed me to my dad and all his colleagues to get him fired. So that was my coming out story. Someone told my dad, you should kick your son out of the house. It will make things so much easier. He's already so different. My two sisters went on to uni they have simple jobs, they're in relationships, they go to church regularly. I've always been the weird one who likes all the secular material, things that are not allowed in the house, right? I had to like fight for my right to listen to the Spice Girls when I was young, you know? It was just another one of those things. So then my, my dad got emotional and he said that he's still my son, so I'm not going to kick him out of the house. You know, I still got to come home to my family. He says that he doesn't understand, but it is your life and all I care about is that you love God. Chances are I have to leave the church. So that was really, that was a really, really tough day. And I also told my parents, I didn't think the coming out would be like this. I was dating someone at that point where I wanted the coming out thing to be, this is my boyfriend, this is the love of my life. I want you to see that it is possible. Oh my God, I'm going to get emotional. Okay. No, I just, I don't want to, yeah. So I just wanted to like show my parents that like this is possible, that I can love someone and, and it's a normal relationship and it's almost like a friendship even and, and he'll come over for dinner and we'll like hang out and stuff like that. So like little things like my ex buying my mom vitamins, that meant so much to me. Mm. And, and I, I just wanted my mom to say thank you to my ex for buying like vitamins and stuff. Unfortunately, today is also a breakup with someone that I really wanted to introduce to you. So this is like hitting really hard all at once. I flew back to Melbourne to, to try to make the relationship work with my ex. And, and I told my dad, I said, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to go back to Melbourne to try to make things work with this guy that I love. Um, um, a couple of weeks later, my dad stood at the front of the church and he, he said, whoever you are, you're a coward. 
for trying to attack my family. All of us have different things that we're struggling with. Uh, for you to attack our family first like that is not good. Um, everyone has different stories. You know, some people, their son is in jail. They struggle with addiction and mm-hmm. those parts of their lives where they try to hide. And with the TED Talk thing, I was given a chance to do a TED Talk and I was going to share this story. Unfortunately, um, that portion of the script they wanted me to remove, not TED itself, but the, the school institution that was holding the talk. And I could not. There's no way I can talk about how I've grown through this whole experience, my relationship with my family now, because it was a TED talk about embracing your true self. And I said that this day where everything went wrong ended up being that day where I learned to accept myself for who I am. And it took a long time. There's no way I cannot talk about the bad day. There's no way we can embrace our stories and celebrate our pride without having to also sort of address the tough moments that we have, each of us have experienced, you know, that usually we would view with shame. So unfortunately that happened and it became a very public thing. So then I was on like Vice, on, on, on the Straits Times, um, where now my sexuality is known to everyone. In a sense, I also understand where Kennedy is coming from, where, you know, sometimes it's, if it's out there and someone sees it, good, I don't even have to come out, it's already there. Because that was what happened for me. Whether it was the letter or the TED Talk, now everyone, my boss knows I'm gay. It's out there, it's Wikipedia, it's on Google. So I don't have to come out anymore, it's kind of there. Kind of sucks, would have been nice to come out with a loving relationship and being happy, um, but... I came out, I was forced to come out and I was fighting really hard as I was doing, so. Um, You know, we talked about how you come out over and over and over again. The part that I'm at in my relationship with my family now is helping them understand what gay is, Mm. okay? Right. Because I just want to sit down and watch Queer Eye with them. There is still that fear that I'm trying to get over of putting a RuPaul's Drag Race on episode while I'm eating dinner and someone walks same, past. Same, It's almost in you their reaction. You have to lower the volume. Yeah, like, <sighs> wear headphones or cover it up. So now I'm, I'm, I'm still like, doing this podcast helps as well. So now I'm just sort of like growing as well to be yeah. a little bit more you, brave. We may be out to our family, but we're still covering is what I'm trying mm. to say. You mm. know, it's always back to that word where we're trying to tone it down. We're trying not to rub it in people's faces yeah. because we're still actually afraid of disapproval, discrimination yeah. that's bound to come with it there is this belief that coming out is nobody else's business. Don't have to come out. You can live your life. Don't disturb me. Don't be gay in front of me. You want to, whatever you want, behind closed doors, none of my business. But there's so much more to it. There are social repercussions for not coming out. I understand everyone has different environments. I want you to be safe, first and foremost. But that decision to not live your authentic self, to not try there are social repercussions to it. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So if everyone is right now given a choice, hey, do you want to get rid of 377A? Every Singaporean gets to answer it, right? And my parents didn't know that I'm gay. They probably would have wanted to keep that law there. As tough as it was, me coming out as tough as it is right now, I don't think my parents would want to keep a law that would discriminate against me. So there are social repercussions to not coming out, to thinking that you can just live your whole life in secret without being your true self, without embracing how you love. And I hope that this podcast, especially this episode, helps you navigate that 
which we are also still navigating through ourselves. In a 2015 article on Advocate magazine, um, a study was done and it said that LGBTQ plus people living in a country where they do not have rights to be themselves have a life expectancy of 12 years lower than everyone else. Um, heart disease, anxiety, depression, from loneliness, suicidal ideation. And I care very deeply about our community. I care very much about our, our lives. Coming out is you doing that. Coming out is you saying, I have no shame over how I love. My love is not gross. It is not indecent. It's beautiful and it's precious. And that's why I'm coming out. Why I'm coming out. This is what I'm telling you. You can take your time to understand what gay is. You can take your time to understand what the spectrum is and pronouns and all these different things. And I can help you along with that. But the first thing you need to know is that I am not ashamed. And that's what the three of us stand for. Very that. Couldn't yeah. have said it better myself. Yeah. I have something to share. Yeah. Two years ago, I actually wrote <laughs> an essay because I'm so self-involved. Um, oh, I, I like that you're journaling. Yeah, and it's called Identity. This is like a little precursor to the SG Boys. I totally forgot about this piece of writing. I left it in a Google Drive and I just left it there. But now that I thought about today coming out and I went to see, I was like, hey, especially to the point of the reflection of coming out many, many years after you've come out for the first time. Right. title of this piece is called Identity. It is three in the morning and the strobe lights paint a glaring scene of debauchery and hedonism. It feels as if I've had one too many drinks and another one would cause about a verbal vomit and probably actual vomit. Except it does not. I brave the bitters and the burn as it travels down my gut. I tell myself yet another meaningless cliché to enable my poor life choices. This is what it feels like to be alive again. After the past years of identifying myself to be a part of a community, the gay clubbing community in Singapore, this scenario is molding into an uncomfortable routine for me. A social lubricant, I tell myself, as I down yet another shot of vodka in an attempt to squeeze out more lube. The silicone-based ones work better than the water-based ones, apparently. In a haze of drunkenness, with an equally strong haze of anxiety, I finally feel like I can be myself. The clinking champagne glasses and the indistinct chatter of strangers engrossed in their private conversations always felt glamorous to me. I imagined those same people would be looking at me, murmuring my name under their breaths. This is where I belong, I tell myself. It felt good to feel validation and admiration. It was an addiction. I wanted to feel better than other people. I felt like I deserved it because every day feels like a damn fight to be accepted. I just wanted to belong. Under all of that, who am I? Really? Scene gaze, mask gaze, femme gaze, femme tops, verse, bottoms, verse, bottoms, mask for mask. These days, it's difficult to keep up. I proceed to take another shot of tequila and even more salt to wash away my thoughts. It was precisely four in the morning, I think, if I remember anything at all from that night. For the last three years, the club and the people that came with it felt a lot like a place I could belong. I could never be myself at home. I don't want a gay son. The words still ring as clear as a bell. I had everything a child is supposed to need growing up. Bit, books, and the proverbial bread. And therein lies the pain and conflict. How could I not feel guilty for feeling like my family did not love me? And so I pull and I push. I yank and I yearn. I think I got choke slammed too. Probably not the first time anyway. All while that extra shot of it doesn't matter what it is anymore travels down my throat. It is 8 in the morning and I rise with a pounding headache. 
I sprawl on the cold, hard floor of my bedroom in a hazy confusion, searching for my handphone to get answers. Is this how I want to belong? Scene. The beliefs, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are attributable to its hosts only and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, organization, company, or individual.